Back to the book of James. <clears throat> pray with me. Father, help us. Lord, I pray as we come to your throne of grace, we ask for your blessing. Father, we ask, Lord, that you would speak to us, Lord. Help me, Father, I pray, as I proclaim your word to your precious people, I pray that you would build us up upon our most holy faith. Forgive us for our sins, Father, where we have failed you. Father, I pray that, Lord, as we sit before your holy word, we would be able to attend upon thee without distraction. Father, with neither thought of the past or of the future, but of this present moment, Lord, help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last time in James 2, we began our study learning about faith that is counterfeit, if you remember that. Uh, and the characteristic of that faith is that it does nothing, uh, but it talks about itself. It's about those that say they have faith, as James says, but have not works. 2.14, if you're there in James, What doth it profit my brethren? Though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? And so can this faith save him? Or I think what James is saying here is this true and genuine saving faith. Is this what it looks like? Now, listen, there are those that will say they have faith in Christ. They may gather with the saints on the Lord's Day. They may go to church every Sunday. But when it comes right down to it, they usually are not people that pray. They don't pray at all to God their Father. They don't feed on God's Word outside of the church. Uh, they don't devote themselves to God. They don't help their needy brethren. That's the example that James uses here. He said, a dead faith is like when someone comes to you and they have need and you say, man, I really feel sorry for you. Um, man, I'll pray for you. And you have the ability to relieve them and you don't. And you tell them to part in peace, be warmed and filled. I hope you're warm. I know you're cold out here, um, but I hope you do better. I'll pray for you. See you later. Um, so that's what faith without works looks like. Is that saving faith? Is that what it looks like? And, you know, before I go on, we can't help everyone in the ways that they would like us to help them. But usually we can do something. Uh, we can do something to help. So James says, is this true and genuine saving faith? And the short answer is no. It's counterfeit. It's pretend faith. It's not the faith of God's elect people. If you recall three times in the text, and we'll read the third time in verse 26 here, James calls this type of faith dead faith. It's not active faith. It's not operative faith. It's not lively faith. It's not faith that takes hold of Christ, and it's a faith that does nothing. There's no work of faith that comes out of this dead faith. Look at verse 18. We're there. Just as a preface to um, the, the ending of the chapter, James says, Yea, a man may say... 
And you remember last time we read all those passages about those that say, you know, I say that I love God. And as John says, if you say that you love God and you hate your brother, John says you're a liar. So here he says, yea, a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. And then he says, show me thy faith without thy works. And I will show thee my faith by my works. And then verse 19, thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. They actually believe and their belief is in the true and living God. It's not saving faith, but they believe. And so what James is saying is if you believe and yet you do nothing and there's no characteristics of faith in your life, well, your faith is akin to what the devils have. And finally, in verse 20, he says, but wilt thou know, O vain man? And he's saying, O faithless man, is that that's what he really is. That faith without works is dead. Now, listen, I don't know about you, but this is a wake up call for me. And it ought to be. We, you know, don't ever look at a scripture like this and think, well, that ain't me. Listen, we need to ask, is that me? I mean, we need to be honest with ourselves when we open the word of God. And so I want to know, Lord, I want to know that my faith, the works that I do, you know, I may do works, but you can do works and they're not works of faith. You could be doing works and they're just works for you to look good. No, we want to we want to do works to glorify God. We want to do the works the right way. We want to have uh, obedience in our faith to do the things that glorify God. So it's a wake up call for me um, to ask myself, do I talk about my faith a lot, but practice my faith little? Uh, do I hear the word and not do the word? Do I talk about it and not do it? And so it's a wake up call. And listen, I wanna be honest and ask myself about this. So now we move into the conundrum. So now Paul wrote that Abraham and Rahab were justified by faith. You can go back and we can see that in Hebrews. We'll look at that in a minute. We see that in Romans, Romans chapter four, specifically for Abraham. Uh, Rahab is talked about in Hebrews chapter 11. So Paul writes, Abraham and Rahab were justified by faith. Here, James wrote, that they were justified by works. So therein lies the supposed contradiction and the spiritual conundrum between the doctrine of James and the doctrine of Paul. And if you know anything about Martin Luther, he initially looked at James and he called an epistle, an epistle of wood, hay, and stubble. Of course, Luther was wrong. So here's the question for you. Were Abraham and Rahab justified by faith or were Abraham and Rahab justified by works? Here's my answer. Yes. Yes. Now, let's read the text. He says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works and that word wrought means produced or was active so seest thou how faith was active 
with his works. And by works was faith made perfect. Now, this is like the nucleus of the conundrum. Because we know that we're saved by faith through by grace through faith alone in Christ. So here, Abraham's faith was not active with his works in the salvation of his soul. So get that, because James says, Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, but not in salvation. So he's not talking about Abraham's salvation, but his faith was active with his works as proof of his salvation. It proved, it justified his faith in Christ. So, and then he, his works strengthened his faith. So let's read that again. Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? Do you see that, James says? And the scripture was fulfilled. He goes back to what Paul says. Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. That's how he was saved. And he was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works? That's interesting that they call her that as a saved woman, right? She's called the harlot. Mm -hmm. Rahab the harlot. Saved Rahab the harlot. It's like Matthew the publican. Mm -hmm. And so here, likewise was not also Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers, and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So we see what the conundrum is. Now let's go to Hebrews, and I want, I want to read two short passages here. First about Abraham. We're going to refer to Abraham's... Uh, testimony in the book of Genesis. We're not going to go to Rahab just for sake of time, but you can go read Joshua and see that at the fall of Jericho. And you know the story of Rahab. Uh, for the sake of time, we won't, won't read that. But, but look at verse 17 of Hebrews 11. It's the story about the faith of all of those uh, children of God that went before us. It's the chapter, uh, many call it the hall of fame of faith. Hebrews 11:17. by faith Abraham when he was tried. So what was tried? His faith was tried. So by faith, when Abraham was tried, offered up Isaac. There's the works. And he that received the promises offered up his only begotten son. So his works proved his faith. Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Verse 19, accounting, or he concluded that God was able to, he believed God, basically. He concluded that God was able to raise Isaac up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. So you see what James says, faith was active in his works. You see that? That his faith brought forth his works. And his works actually strengthened his faith. And we'll see that when we go back to Genesis in a minute here. 
But look at verse 30. This is Rahab. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. Joshua's faith. They marched around, you remember? After they were compassed about seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. So what she did with the spies, her works, actually proved her faith. You see, there's no contradiction between the doctrine of Paul and the doctrine of James. There's only com confirmation, there's complement, and there's harmony. Now listen, those who would dismiss the one for the other, and I have to read a couple of quotes from Thomas Manton, was so good. Thomas Manton wrote this. He wrote, um, the ones that would seek to cut out one, either James or Paul, he said they seek to cut out the knot, to cut the knot out, because there's a knot. You know, you got a knot in a rope. You don't want to mess with it, so you just cut it out. You shorten the rope. But Thomas Manton wrote, they seek to cut out the knot rather than to simply untie it and to preserve the whole as one. See, we, we need to be able to untie the knot. We, we, can't, we shouldn't cast off one truth because we can't figure it out in favor of another truth. Thomas Manton wrote again, they show more reverence. They show more reverence for the scriptures who seek to reconcile both places than to deny the authority of one. We know this all too well in two doctrines that are really points of contention for believing Christians everywhere. Well, I don't know about everywhere, but... And we know that it's the doctrine of man's responsibility and the doctrine of God's sovereignty. And because many don't like the doctrine of God's sovereignty in respect of the salvation of a man's soul, they throw it out. And there's the other side of the, the road where they throw out the responsibility of man and they make salvation all about God's sovereignty. And so there's a ditch on both sides of the road. And beloved, we must not ever cast off a portion of the scriptures because we don't understand it. But let's look into the perfect law of liberty. James tells us to do that. Turn back to Romans. I want to try and help you as best as the Lord will help me to understand this. Now, when we read these passages in Romans, Paul is talking about those that would be justified by works or by the works of the law, Romans 3.19, they would be justified by the works of the law for the salvation of their souls. And that's what Paul talks about. Romans 3, Romans 4, Romans 5, the doctrine of justification by faith in Christ. I mean, that's basically the centerpiece there. Kind of begins here. Romans 1 and 2 and part of 3 is all about the whole world is guilty before God. Jew and Gentile. And the ungodly are, are condemned, but in Christ we're justified. Uh, that which the law could never do for us in the salvation of our souls. Verse 19, now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds or works of the law, there shall no flesh 
be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God without the law. So, and notice Paul uses those words, justified in his sight. Whose sight? In God's sight. And this is for the salvation of your soul, Christian. Verse 1, chapter 4. What shall we say then? Now, here we're talking about Abraham. What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. So we know that when God saved Abraham, we can go back to Genesis and Genesis 15, 6, it says when God, when God commanded him, and of course, Abraham's works are seen not only in Isaac, but in chapter 12 of Genesis, God told Abraham, leave your country and go where I'm going to tell you. His works proved his faith. He got up and left. He listened to God. And in Genesis 15, 6, James quotes that in James 2, 23. Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. He's talking about Abraham's salvation. Verse 3, he says, well, look at verse 2. If Abraham would justify my works, he hath whereof to glory, the last four words, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him or counted unto him for righteousness. The righteousness was imputed unto him. And so then he says, now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. And we know that we're not saved by works. Romans 5.1, therefore being justified by faith in the salvation of our souls, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So Abraham's talking singularly and specifically about our salvation. Two more in Galatians just to kind of nail this point home. Galatians 2.16. Galatians 2.16. Paul here writes, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, not by any works for that matter. For by the works of the law, there shall no flesh be justified. And you can add in his sight because it's implied there. Chapter 3 and verse 11, last one. Chapter 3 and verse 11. Paul says, but that no man is justified by the law. And there's those words in the sight of God. It is evident. For the just shall live by faith. That's a key right there as we transition over. The just shall what by faith? Live. Live. In other words, as Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live out in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So, Christ is not going to stay 
conspicuously or inconspicuously hidden inside of you. He's not going to be hidden. It's, he's not a light under a bushel. But that light is going to come forth from your life and from your soul. So in these passages, Paul speaks of our justification before God in God's sight, which speaks again of our salvation, that it is by grace alone and through faith in Christ alone. For by grace are ye saved through faith. I know I read that many times, but I want to reemphasize. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So James is not talking about a salvation by works, in which we may boast and say, I'm saved by my works. He's not saying that at all. James, in his letter, teaches us that our faith is justified or confirmed to be true and genuine faith in Christ by the evidence, by the fruit, by the works, by the life. The just shall live by faith, by all of those things, by Christ that comes out of us. Like Henry Skogel's book, the life of God in the soul of man, it's not going to stay hidden, hidden. It's going to come out. But there's more. See, James proves that Abraham was justified by works when he offered Isaac, his son, upon the altar. Just a different aspect of what the word justification implies here. See, James doesn't cut away the truth of Abraham's faith. He talks about it in verse 23. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness, and Abraham was called the friend of God. So James doesn't cut away that truth. Instead, he shows us that his works were the evidence and proof of his faith, and that his works were accomplished by the obedience of his faith. See, the works come forth from our faith. Ephesians 2.10 for we are his workmanship. God made us. God recreated you. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And listen, I can't emphasize that enough. You talk to people about the salvation of our soul. That is a supernatural event that happened. Yes, you believe God. But if you have a new heart and a new spirit and you were going left and now you're going right. And now you love Christ when you used to hate Christ. And that's true of you. That's supernatural. And now you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has already before ordained that you should walk in them. And so that is true. And so now the works that are accomplished in the Christian's life are by the obedience of his or her faith. And our works now are used to strengthen our faith. And that's what James says. Go back to James chapter 2. James says that, I think, in verse 21. If you go back there, James 2, let's see, no, verse 22. He talks about Abraham. He says, Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect, it was strengthened. So when Abraham offered Isaac upon the altar, listen, you think about that. That's the toughest trial that ever came into Abraham's life. 
And listen, I think that in the Christian life, you're going to come up against some trials, the trials of your faith, that you're going to have to act upon. Your faith is going to need to be active, and you're going to have to move forward in your faith and do things that God has commanded you by obedience to your faith. And God's going to use those things that you now must do to strengthen your faith. Listen, this was the most difficult trial of Abraham's life. Um, I mean, I can't imagine that. Listen, his faith in God in this trial was justified and proved by his works. It is in this sense that Abraham is said to be justified by works. Now, let me show you. Turn back to Genesis, and then we'll finish up here. But Genesis 22, I want you to see this. Felt like Abraham's example was, was better here to spend time on than Rahab. Rahab is still every bit the word of God and very profitable, so I encourage you to go to Joshua and read that. But notice here, and I want you to see Abraham's faith. I want you to see the, the liveliness and the activity of his faith. Get that, because the activity of your faith is your works. We don't have faith that's dead. We don't just talk about it and, and then we do nothing. I mean, you think about if Abraham did nothing. Well, it would prove that his faith was dead. But notice, it says it came to pass after these things that God did tempt, or as it means he tried Abraham. And he said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I, here I am. He said, Take now thy son. So here's the command. Take now thine son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. I love this. No back talk. Abraham rose up. Got up early in the morning. So listen, there's the activity of his faith. He's doing what God told him to do. Now you might say, well, I'll never come up against anything like this. No, but there are commands in the word of God for you, for your faith to act upon. And so it, it's different, but the same. So Abraham rose in the morning, saddled his ass. He took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and clayed the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. He gathered up the wood, bundled it up, put it on the donkeys, and they set out for Moriah. Three days journey. Think about that for three days thinking about that. Three days thinking about, and God not giving any more direction. God's not saying anything. He's just got this command. On the third day, Abraham lifts up his eyes and sees the place afar off. Now you imagine that. He sees Moriah. And he knows that this is where I'm going to kill my son. I'm going to offer him there. Now, we can go back to Hebrews, and we won't, but he believed God. He, he trusted that God would raise him up. Listen, he had the promise that this was the seed. And so think about things sometimes that don't make sense in your mind, but your faith just needs to take hold of what God said, and we need to trust God. And Abraham did that. 
Abraham said to his young men, Y'all stay here with the, the ass and I and the lad. My son will go yonder and worship and come again to you. There's his faith. We will come back. And Abraham took the wood on the burnt, of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. He took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. Isaac, such a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus. He's not resisting. He went as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. So Abraham took everything and finally Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, not in resistance, but he questioned. He said, my father, and he said, here am I, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. They came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there. There had to be tears in his eyes. I mean, you imagine this. It probably took a little while to build this altar. He built the altar, laid the wood in order, and then he tied his son up on that altar. And he laid it all down and then Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son and the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said Abraham Abraham he said here am I and this is this is where I guess as Paul Harvey says we know the rest of the story he said lay not thine hand upon the lad neither do thou anything unto him these four words, for now I know that thou fearest God. Seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Now go back to James. Quick point. If you go back to James, you can see the truth that James writes there about Abraham's works. In chapter 2, he says, Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? Do you think Abraham's faith was strengthened in his God? Absolutely. He trusted God. What a bolster to his faith to be built up like that. Abraham believed God, and he believed him even in this. Now listen, in conclusion, Paul teaches us that in the salvation of our souls, we are justified in the sight of God by grace alone, through faith in Christ alone. That is how we're saved from our sins, by Christ. James teaches us that our faith in Christ is proved and justified in the sight of God and in the sight of men, by our works, which are the evidence and proof of true and genuine saving faith. Now listen, every one of us begins our Christian lives by grace alone and by faith in Christ alone. Every one of us starts the same way. But once that faith in Christ has begun in the new birth in you, it cannot do anything else but come out 
in that new life and from that new heart that is within you. Listen, Rudolf Steer, I got two quotes for you, excellent. Rudolf Steer, he's a commentator, one of the lost commentators of James. He said, it is impossible to separate works from faith. It would be like separating burning and shining from fire. To separate works from true and genuine faith would be to say that fire is not hot. Fire is hot. It's the produce of fire. Giovanni Diodati, he was a Genevan-born Italian Calvinist. How about that? He was in the 15th century. He said this, The justification of Paul is opposite to the condemnation of a sinner. The justification, well, he says in general. I want to quote him, right? He says, And the justification of James is opposite to the condemnation of a hypocrite in particular. You get that? In Paul's sense, a sinner is absolved, acquitted, forgiven. In James's sense, a believer is approved. So you, you get the, the difference, and it's an excellent quote. So the doctrine of James does not contradict the doctrine of Paul. The doctrine of James gives proof and evidence and strengthens the doctrine of Paul. The doctrine of James reveals the truth of justification by faith alone in Christ. So Abraham's and Raham's actions were proof of their faith, that they were believers in God. After they believed in God, they did the works of God their Father who was in them. Listen, none who are saved from their sins are saved by their works. The scriptures are clear on this. And we know Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. I won't quote it again. We are saved by grace alone. I guess I will. And by faith in Christ alone. But take heed to what the word teaches us about the judgment of the great day. And this is where I'll close. Because we're saved by, by, by grace alone through faith alone. But I want you to go look. And I hadn't looked at all of them. But I want you to go look at the passages and you do this study. And let me read one more passage to you. <clears throat> in fact, Diana reminded me of this. I had it in my notes and I didn't read it. But Revelation 14, 13. <clears throat> and when you go here, you see a wonderful truth. John says, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. From henceforth, yea, saith the Spirit that they may rest from their labors, labors from their work, and their works do follow them. Now, I want you to go look in the scriptures, and I want you to find the passages that talk about the judgment of the great day, the judgment seat of Christ, and you'll see a common theme. I hadn't looked at all of them, but the scripture says, for instance, in the great white throne, the dead, small and great, shall stand before God, and they will all be judged according to their faith, according to their works. According to their works. Now, am I trying to tell you that you need a work salvation? No. I'm just telling you what the Scripture says. The Bible says that we'll be judged for our deeds done in the body. Deeds and works, you'll see that. 
You can look at the Corinthians, you could Romans 14. You can look at Matthew 25. Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and ye gave me meat, drink, ye visited me. Their works. And so their faith produced their works. And so there is no conundrum here. There is no contradiction here. We see that the doctrine of Paul and the doctrine of James, they confirm, they complement each other, and they're in perfect harmony. We're justified by faith alone in Christ for the salvation of our souls. The evidence of our salvation is our works, which come forth from our lives. Again, Paul even states that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that you should walk in them. And so I hope this helps, um, and I hope this will help you. I'll just finish with verse 26. And we went over this already, but I just want to close with James 2.26. James says, for as the body without the spirit is dead. And we know that. That's, listen, that's intuitively obvious. That when the soul departs from the body, the body is dead. And James says, so faith without works is dead also. Both dead. That's not you, Christian. And that's not a child of God. Because if you're in Christ, you have new life in you. You have eternal life in you. Your faith cannot be dead. And so, beloved, rejoice. this ought to rejoice your soul. I mean, look, at it rejoices my soul. And it ought to encourage us to continue to walk by faith in our Lord Jesus Christ and the Son of God. Amen. Well, let's dismiss in prayer. <clears throat> Lord, help us, Father, to understand. I pray that it has been understandable, Father. Um, and so, Lord, we ask you to help us, Father. And certainly we want to serve you, Father, by the things that we do. We want to serve you by faith, Father. We want, we want our lives to be filled with the outworking of our faith. Lord, we want our lives to be completely different and changed than when we were. Father, we know when we were lost, we did the deeds of our father, the devil. And so we did works when we were lost. Oh, Lord, how much more ought we to do works for our heavenly father and Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Father, please help us and we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.